This is the Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad Network. Welcome back to White Ladies in Crisis. It's a podcast dedicated to women sometimes slowly losing their marbles. <laughs> and we are covering the first season of Apple TV's Physical. We are up to episode 10. It's the finale. Let's get together. I'm Joe Lipset, and I'm joined, as always, by my delightful co-host, Gina Radcliffe. Hello. As well as Jen Adams. Hi. Okay, ladies, Ooh. I almost don't even know where to start with this because what the fuck is going on with this episode i mean yeah (laughs) it's a little it's a little rush jobby like i i I feel like they wrote this knowing we might not get a second season out of this so we we need to kind of end this on a on a a a big note Yeah. yeah I remember last week, uh, Gina, you said, you know, it feels like they've maybe waited a little bit too long to introduce some of these stories and they're banking on a season two. And now this episode feels like, oh, maybe we should walk that back just in case. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, pr- yeah, pretty much. But then I was also thinking, like, it feels like they are guaranteeing us se- or like banking on that season two because mm-hmm. they are continuing with some of these things that like and introducing even some new stuff now that I'm like, okay, yeah. well, I want to see where this is going. Yeah. I need, and there's a little bit of a, a, a an about face, I feel like, with Sheila, which I bet we'll get into. But mm-hmm. yeah, I was like, I, okay, so if this is the only season, I'm going to. Still maintain my positive letter writing campaign, but if this is the only season, (laughs) I think I'm going to pretend that maybe the last episode is the ninth episode is the last episode. Yeah, I think I I think I kind of like that. uh, I like that thinking. This was this yeah. This was just this was all over the place in a way that yeah that up to this point it it hasn't been yeah. Mm -hmm. And some things I very much enjoyed, but you know. And it was also extremely not funny, which, uh, which you know, at least like in other episodes, you've gotten a little bit of a breath for a moment. But this mm-hmm. is just like, okay, everybody is just losing their goddamn minds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I was just living for Greta being apparently totally fabulous. Like, her life uh-huh. is great now. And I thought, okay, well, at least Greta came out well. And all she needed, yeah. was, to, and all she needed was to have sex, start having sex with her husband again. That seems to, that seems to have been the, the, key, the key to her problems <laughs> is right. having sex with her husband again. Admittedly, yeah. it is a bit of a deal breaker for married couples. But yes, I will agree. <laughs> it is a little bit uh, too simplistic. Yeah, well, I mean, I think they had that sweet moment of connection. But did you also notice she was doing the workout with yeah. Sheila while she was mm-hmm. on the stage? And I was like, oh, she's happy now. Because it does seem like her life is just great, you know? Yeah. Like having sex in bathrooms at other people's houses. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so let, let's start at this opening. Because the the kind of confrontational nature of this episode kicks in immediately because it opens and I thought, oh, okay, so we're revisiting 1986 where the show began with its framing device. Mm -hmm. But no, ladies, we have just jumped ahead to election day and suddenly Sheila and Bunny are big fucking deals and they're doing their routine in the mall. Yeah, we. this is the second episode in a row where the confrontation you 
expect to get doesn't happen. Mm-hmm. Where, whereas the last episode ended with Danny discovering her with the, the videotapes, we, we have just jumped ahead and now he's sort of grudgingly going along with it. And yeah. both impressed and uncomfortable by how she looks when she's doing this. Yeah, yeah. There's this feeling of like him feeling emasculated in this moment, like because he when he talks to her afterwards, he's he keeps saying it was like something, something. I've never seen you so something, so strong. And he finally says something. He says strong. It's like you can tell he does not want her to out- overshadow him. Right. Oh, interesting. I read this as a little bit of that, but also it's like he suddenly discovered that his wife is hot and independent. (laughs) I think there's a little bit of that too, yeah. But then that feeds his insecurity of of like, oh, she's going to leave me. Yeah. Which, I mean, we're not there yet, but... (laughs) No. So I'm very frustrated that we didn't get to see the conversation about, okay, so you've secretly been making workout videos behind my back. Okay, you've got this whole enterprise. You're making money off of this. Like, to not give us that, considering how much the show has invested in their marriage in this first season, I'm honestly very frustrated with physical Mm -hmm. Well, it's, it is frustrating because, again, we didn't get the confrontation of her having to explain what happened to the money. Mm-hmm. I, mean, I mean, I guess it's, you know, well, the audience already knows what happens to the money. It's like, but yeah, but you sort of tease this, you know, her being found out. You gotta out. pay it off. Right. Mm-hmm. And, then, and then nothing happens. It's just, you know, well, a couple weeks later. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So the other thing that we haven't paid off, remember how we spent all that time speculating about the body in Jerry's bed? Mm-hmm. Where the fuck is the closure on that? I know, I guess she was alive. But, like, we're not even addressing it. We never <laughs> right. even got confirmation. We just have to assume. We don't know who it is. I, I, I think that one of us mentioned that we thought it was Simone originally, but apparently it wasn't. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. It's just like, why are we cutting corners? It's almost like, did they think that they were getting a 13-episode order and then they only got 10? Because there are so many gaps. Mm-hmm. Yeah, or, like... Could we have an hour-long show, you know? Oh, hmm. Like, more of this, although... <laughs> an hour, an hour of this, particularly the first few episodes, I think would have been a little, a little rough going. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Probably true, yeah. <laughs> you just fill the second half in with aerobics, and we'll just do it along. Right. It'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, it'll be, it'll be cathartic. <laughs> right, right, right. <laughs> It's like you watch the show and then you burn off all the tension by doing the moves with Sheila and Bunny. Exactly. Oh, which, by the way, Bunny was not leading that session at all and seemed totally fine with it. And I mean, there had been hints of that dynamic before, but I think this was the most like explicit. We saw that Sheila is really leading the show now, you know. Mm hmm. Yeah, I noticed that Bunny had a microphone just like Sheila, but she didn't Mm -hmm. ever use it. Yeah she, yeah, she didn't say anything and apparently mm-hmm. didn't get covered by the newspaper with it either. Which, to be fair, like, Sheila does seem to be very good at it. And she, like, when she was, like, being motivating in the middle of it, like, it's hard to kind of know when to stop the routine and talk but still keep your place in the routine. Like, that takes a lot of talent and skill and to actually say things that are motivating in the moment. Like, that's a really good talent that she has that I don't know if Bunny has, but they mm-hmm. just do not seem to really be partners. And also, and also she's turning, she's turning around the whole, you hear that voice is telling you to slow down. She's, she's making, 
you know, whatever pathology she has that makes her so cool to herself and turning it into something useful for her students, which is pretty remarkable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's so important too because we don't hear that horrible nagging voiceover internal monologue of hers until things really start to go bad. Yeah. And I think we have to attribute the fact that she is actually finding success. She has managed to turn it on its head and use it for empowerment purposes. It's like, ah, oh my God, Sheila, you're so close. Mm-hmm. Yeah, there's a moment a little later when she and Greta are having a conversation in the car and they're just talking to each other. And she's mm-hmm. talking to her like a, a person. She's engaging with the conversation. We don't hear that monologue. And it was really striking because I just don't think we've had that many conversations with her like that. Yeah. I really enjoyed watching Sheila steal Schmidt's signs <laughs> off other people's lawns. Like, Me too. It felt like a slightly lesser version of the get the gang together kind of slow walk that we had last episode. But mm-hmm. it was like, oh my God, Sheila's letting her hair down. She's letting herself have fun with another woman and just being free. Ugh. I mean, I know the whole purpose of the show is to drive conflict and to escalate the stakes, but it was really nice to have these little moments to let the characters enjoy their happiness and their success. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and so I said I wanted the the ninth episode to be the last one, but I think I might cut it off right at the in this episode at the mall, like after her performance, because that was a really nice moment and it felt like a culmination of a lot of stuff that we've been through with Sheila. And like since you mentioned her just kind of scampering over to get the signs and this kind of like half panic thing which was really funny and i just want to say rose Byrne this season has just been amazing in this role oh yeah like the range of it and i mean i know the show is called physical but like the amount of physicality she's bringing to this role in such a range of emotion is just i'm just blown away yeah i fully agree i mean i knew that this was going to be a bit of a powerhouse role for her when the season Mm -hmm. began and i couldn't tell if it was one of those things where you take it because it's a juicy role and you're hoping that you're going to get nominated for awards because those first few episodes definitely felt like an actress who is hungry for a different kind of role that she Mm -hmm. thinks will maybe also get her a little you know mantle place jewelry (laughs) And I've really come to appreciate the show, not just for her performance, but as a bit more of an ensemble. But I think she's still doing great work with an often unlikable character. Mm -hmm. She's gotten better, but she's not going to be your best friend. No, but she she did a a really remarkable thing in taking a deeply unlikable character and making her, if nothing else sympathetic mm-hmm. yes you could you could kind of understand where it comes from and, and it, it kind of makes you have to think about uncomfortable truths about yourself yeah yeah which i think ultimately is the goal of the show mm-hmm. in in mm-hmm. that we we all have this nagging awful little voice that that you know, abuses us and mistreats us and makes us question ourselves and, and plants constantly plants the seed of doubt in our minds and that you know either you, you could surround yourself with people who will help you quiet that voice or you'll aggravate it without even realizing that they're doing it and mm-hmm. and I think part of this show is her finding those people in her life which obviously Greta is one uh Funny to a certain extent is, <laughs> Maybe, is, yeah. is, is, is one. Even, mm-hmm. even, uh, even John Bream 
to to a, a, a certain extent. <laughs> you know, again, despite how this episode ended, and and I physically shrank away from my uh, my computer. <laughs> I mean, the, the speech that he gave her at the party last week. I think that was what really kind of you know pushed her to like, yeah, I can do this. You yeah. Know, he, yeah. He, he, you know, he sees my potential. And although I kind of preferred it when it wasn't framed as some sort of weird sexual thing, you know, <laughs> uh, uh, until the end of this episode, you know, yeah. I, I think that she needed, and I, I hate to say she needed another man, but she needed someone to show her her value without sort of implying, you know, that her, her you know, attractiveness or, you know, her sexuality has anything to do with it. You know, he sees mm-hmm. her potential to be a successful businesswoman. Yeah. yeah. And I also liked the conversation they had in his office on this episode until the moment where he said, well, God sees you. And it just got really weird. Um, but like he was kind of challenging her and saying like, no, you know, you, you probably should do something about Bunny. Like you need to figure out what you want to do. And I was like, this is the kind of feedback she needs from a partner, not even necessarily a romantic partner, but she needs, she needs somebody to kind of keep her in check a little bit too. Cause I think what we see of the very beginning of the episode is she kind of just turns into an egomaniac, or at least that's what was like, that's the very first glimpse we saw of her. And it's like, if somebody like John Bream, if they could find a way to work together in a way that I think would make both of them better people, I think that could be a really good partnership for both of them. It is tricky, right? Because he's very clearly a man who is a profiteer, right? He's not going to yeah. back the dark horse. He's going to go with the safe option, which is mm-hmm. why he went with Schmidt, right? Like he goes for the sure bets. He mm-hmm. likes a lot of safety and security. But he's also a very savvy businessman, right? He mm-hmm. owns this mall. He he obviously knows what Bunny and Tyler are up to because he mm-hmm. mentions that she's trying to work some fancy, weird things with her lease. Mm-hmm. So the fact that he sees potential in Sheila, to me, connotes that, yes, Sheila has it. And somebody who is smart at business sees that. But he also recognizes that she is maybe carrying around in his mind and maybe Sheila's mind this dead weight which is Mm -hmm. funny and he says okay you're at a stage now where you need to make this decision it seems like you've already made it and now Mm -hmm. you just need to confirm it with yourself right yeah yeah but also now they want to fuck and what is going on with that oh my god it was there in the opening right like she looks at him looking at her as she's doing the tape and I thought oh are we back to this or is he just kind of scouting her with his eagle eye like yes there is potential here i didn't expect an interesting voyeuristic striptease masturbation that was yeah that was the last thing i I almost thought it was a dream yeah it did just like you know fucked i mean that that would have been less weird than than Mm -hmm. than this interaction where it kind of seems like she's almost fantasizing about herself. Yeah. Yes. Well, there's your egotism. Which is, which right. is and now she has decided that she does indeed like being watched, which is, which yes. is mm-hmm. you know, something that she, you know, or at least she likes being looked at, which is something that she, you know, presumably because she has an eating disorder struggled mm-hmm. with in the past. 
Yes. Yeah. Well, and I wonder, too, if this is a safe sexual encounter for her, too, because oh. I know that he's talked about her not, like, being in the moment, like, because she's also a survivor of sexual assault, as we learned. Right. Oh, that's, yeah, that's a very, that's a very good point, actually. That's a very good point. Because there's a distance between them right now, but they have this, like, connection. Like, they're eye-fucking, but they're just not actually touching. Yeah. And so it's, like, she had... Yeah, I think you're right. And I wonder where the turning point was. If it's seeing herself in the newspaper. Mm. So it's almost like she is getting off on the validation that she's receiving from him for her physical yeah. appearance, you know, or for her success, you know, which is kind of tied to her appearance in a way. Absolutely. Let's assume that Danny has not looked at her like that in a long time. Oh, yeah, because he right. was watching her on stage like, who is she? You yeah, know? it's like she was a whole new person to him, but not in a exciting, not in a we want to fuck now way. Right. It's like, I'm entranced by you, but also I don't recognize who you are anymore. Right, which yeah. which, which is what he keeps talking about. Like when he, before he fell on the couch with, with Samoa, it's like, oh, I don't even know her anymore. Mm-hmm. And like he will give her praise because we've seen that throughout the show, but it's always when he is trying to get something from her or when he's trying to praise her as an extension of himself. Because like yes. in the campaign, he brings her up and I was kind of expecting him to say some kind of shady comment, you know, but he's like, this was all because of you. But I think that's just what he thinks he's supposed to say in that moment, you know. But that was also after he lavished praise on Jerry first. Uh-huh. Right. I was right. so unimpressed. <laughs> Jerry. Jerry. I will say Jeffrey Arend, I think I'm saying his name right. As much as I hate that character, like he really brought it to that role. Like I can't imagine oh, yeah. anyone else playing that role. He's so hissably awful. And I know. I think one of Ugh. the things I've enjoyed the most about watching the show is spotting the things that would have been acceptable and just kind of normalized back in 81 and mm -hmm. seeing it through a 2021 lens and just being like the feminist in me wants to just murder all of these men Mm-hmm. oh like the guy who said no you can take this contract and have your husband walk oh over yeah with you. yes yep. it's such a throwaway <laughs> line but we i knew as soon as i heard that i was like oh we're all gonna latch onto that motherfucker <laughs> <laughs> yeah and it's like because the contrast to that is that she wants ernie to look at the contract with her but that doesn't seem like a condescending thing that's just like mm -hmm. oh he has a skill in this and this was and i can't remember who the actor is but i love him who presents her with the contract and he's just like, oh yeah, yeah, just have your husband because the implication is that she'd never be able to understand it. Yeah. And I feel like the implication when she talks to Greta and Ernie about it is just she's never read a contract before, you know? Mm -hmm. It's just not part of her life at this point and he's just saying it like she can't. Right. And she also knows that, you know, certainly Greta would not let Ernie steer her the wrong way. Right. Exactly. Mm -hmm. And I thought it was important that she obviously went to Greta and then got Greta to ask Ernie like, Sheila's not in a business state of mind, right? And it, it mm -hmm. becomes so obvious when this man approaches her and says, you know, have you thought about what the next step is? And she's like, no. Right. Like, we're selling tapes. I'm super excited. We sold out of all of our tapes. And it's so small fry. Mm -hmm. I kind of love it because she is an egomaniac and she maybe will become a narcissist down the road. But at this moment in time, 
she can barely even handle the idea that people want to do this thing with her. Like, Mm -hmm. she's made some really significant strides, right? Mm Because initially she started doing this just because she needed to feel it. She didn't even care about anybody else. The only reason Mm -hmm. she started teaching is because Bunny said, if you want to use the studio, you need to bring in clients. And look at how far she's come now. Mm -hmm. But at the same time, it's like, oh, like baby's first business. She thinks selling probably, what, 40 tapes at the mall is like, oh, my God. (laughs) I'm going to take you nationwide. I'm going to give you a formal production company. He is going to try to fleece her so badly. (laughs) Right. Yeah. Okay. And I first thought that he was talking about the dream guru. And I was like, oh, that sounds kind of cool. But no, Uh then I heard it again. It's the drain guru. Yes. (laughs) I was like, oh, dude, don't sign on to this guy. (laughs) Which also, I'm going to need some kind of fictitious commercial of Uh what exactly the drain guru does. (laughs) It's like some version of the Mr. Plow song, you know, only for drains. (laughs) Yes. Because this is kind of a regression for Sheila. Like it's, she has come a long way, but I think she doesn't quite understand why it is. Because what we see in the last moments are her like really excited about the potential she has to look this certain way and do this thing. And she said in the last episode, like aerobics saved me. And I mm-hmm. think she's thinking that like it's this empire of aerobics that she's going to build is the validation that is actually helping her. But what it really is, is the connection she's making and that it's allowing her the confidence to make because the relationship with Greta and Bunny too like they're collaborating and they did this really cool thing together and that is what is empowering her I think and that is what is taking that voice away and I think what she thinks is it's men like John Bream looking at her as a sexual person that is giving her that power and that's why I want a second season for her to kind of explore that you know and that's why I think it feels so cold you know yeah. It's right on the precipice right now, right? Like she could kind of go one of two ways. And if she cuts Bunny out, and we'll talk about what's happening with Bunny and Tyler in a little yeah. bit. But if she cuts this person out so that she can be the sole profiteer, then she is basically going down the road of John Bream. Like she's selling out personal connections so that she herself can profit. Like that is the dark side. Yeah. In in some ways, I almost wish that the show hadn't ever shown us 1986, because I mm-hmm. feel like we already know which path she's going to take. Like, it seems evident that she and Bunny will not continue to collaborate. She is going to screw this woman over. Mm-hmm. And I want that to be the midpoint in her journey. And then I want more. You know, when I figure Six out how she comes back for that. Hey, I will watch them all. <laughs> I, mean, I, just, I mean, I just feel like that that Bunny is not going to take that sitting down. So if she yeah. if she does cut her loose, I seriously doubt that's going to be the last we hear from Bunny. No, but I feel like what we've also learned about Bunny over the back half of the season is that some of that riot girl, like, give no fucks attitude, a lot of it may be is a front like Mm -hmm. seeing her vulnerable in the hospital she is terrified thinking about losing tyler but then also facing down this giant hospital debt that they've now accrued Mm -hmm. she was practically quivering when she went to sheila's yeah yeah and so if you look at like bunny and sheila like sheila's got this support now she is in debt because of um well for a lot of reasons but she mm-hmm. she had but she has a home and she yeah. has a support system who is at least going to like support her in theory or in substance you know 
Mm-hmm. If not an emotional support. And Bunny doesn't have any of that. She is just like faking it till she makes it every day. And I feel like that builds a certain amount of character. So it's like they're on two opposite ends of that spectrum, you know? Yeah. I really, really wish that we could have laid a bit more of a foundation for her and Tyler's relationship and his mm-hmm. ailment because. I wanted to feel more when he began seizing in uh-huh. their show apartment, and <sighs> yeah, they yeah they really they really needed to introduce his illness much earlier in the season than they did. Mm-hmm. Much earlier yeah. in the season they did. Yeah. yeah, two episodes did not do this justice. This isn't an arc. This is uh, like, a, hey, here's something to make this character a bit more complicated, right? If your ailment is so serious that it's causing you to have seizures, you're you're going to have signs pretty early on that there's mm-hmm. there something wrong. And, 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 I, and I realize that they don't have any money, they can't afford to go to a doctor, but there should have at least been a scene or two of him, I don't know, I'm just pulling this out of there, you know, having a dizzy spell or, or you know, trying to surf and he falls off his board or something like that because he, you know, he can't keep his balance. There just should have been more indicators that something was amiss. And there's the moment where he's talking, where she takes him to meet um, with Danny for the campaign video, and she he's eating the burrito, and she's like, did he? Did you hear anything I said? And that was a moment where we could have kind of introduced that a little bit, but they don't. They take the air out. They imply that he did hear. He mm-hmm. just didn't pay attention. And yeah. I wonder if, like, because the beginning of his arc seems like it's so much about him being involved in porn or like shooting porn and then it's like we just forgot about that yeah the porn payoff never came it never never came to a climax huh (laughs) never delivered yeah (laughs) and i think like with another actor that wasn't so like i love tyler because of lou tyler pucci's performance yes but with another actor i feel like that role would just be completely forgettable yeah because even with his great portrayal this storyline honestly felt like it came out of nowhere and it feels Mm -hmm. forgettable like it feels so awkwardly shoehorned into the show that i kind of can't get the emotional investment even though i've come to love this character it it, it just feels like the writers needed them to suddenly have go from being broke to okay now we're in trouble Mm -hmm. yeah how do we make it harder for sheila to cut bunny off oh let's give bunny this emotional crisis this Mm. emotional and and fiscal crisis you know they have this these hospital bills presumably tyler indefinitely is not going to be able to work and bring in any kind of income Mm -hmm. not that he was bringing in a huge amount of income before but now he can't (laughs) now he bunny would presumably have to spend much more time taking care of him so you know she can't work as much but these, these are all things that while these are all absolutely valid issues Again, as you say, it just seems very shoehorned into the climax of the, of the plot of the season. Yeah. 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 Like, it could have just been Sheila feels guilty about not including Bunny because she's screwing Bunny over. Not mm-hmm. because Bunny all of a sudden has this need, and so now that's how Sheila can feel guilty, you know? Yeah. So what do we think of the fact that Danny ended up losing the election? I'm not surprised. No, I'm not either. Yeah. And I'm kind of <laughs> glad that he did lose the election because, you know, I think that's, that's accurate. But 
that's a key, it's a very much in keeping with the time period because mm-hmm. you know it was the Reagan era and people were just very tired of, of hippie rhetoric at that point. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It, it, it would make a comeback later, like probably the late eighties, early nineties. But around that time, people just did not want to hear that. Like all that, like save the whales and stuff like that. Like that was tend to be very much looked down upon as something very frivolous. And and well, how mm-hmm. does that, you know, how does that you know, increase my my stock portfolio? That was you know that that was very much you know not a thing people were terribly interested in. So I'm not yeah. surprised. I'm not surprised at all. And I think it's so revealing about Danny's character, like the way he handles that. And when he tries to force her to eat that cream puff, Ooh. which uh, I, I decided I'm forever off of Danny. Like he's he's dead to me. I, I feel that he is he's mm. guilt. He's guilt stricken. I'm, I'm not I'm not minimizing what he did. It was terrible. Mm-hmm. I'm just yeah. trying to to make him not seem like a com- I'm trying to read him as not being a complete monster. <laughs> uh-huh. yeah, because these, these are supposed to be just, you know, somewhat to an extent relatable characters. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. You know, nothing, again, nothing really, we, we don't really know what happens with him and Simone. Because she's still hanging around. Oh, sure. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, uh, but, you know, presumably he probably feels pretty guilty about that, I would think. Yeah. Because I do think that he does have a shred of feelings for Sheila left. Mm-hmm. Right. He's guilt-stricken. He's mad at her for kind of finding her own life and putting him second. Yeah. And and he's also really scared because there is, mm-hmm. quote-unquote, something wrong with her. But he doesn't know what it is. And if he, right. if he had given Simone an opportunity to try to explain before he was sticking his tongue in her mouth... <laughs> mm-hmm. yeah. He might have had. She tried. I, mean, I don't. I don't like Simone as a character, but she did try to say, "Hey, there's something wrong with her. You need to. You, you need to look into it and try to help her." Yeah. And he wasn't. He wasn't interested in, in hearing it. But then it, it occurred to him. Oh, you know. Okay, that makes sense. There's, you know, she is changing. She's pulling away from me. It must be the fact that she's really weird about food and won't eat in front of me, and well, maybe I need mm-hmm. to confront her about it. And you know what? The way he does it is not at all unusual from the way a lot of spouses and fathers and all tend to handle women with eating disorders. Is well, I'm just gonna mm-hmm. make you sit. I'm gonna make you sit down, and eat this whole plate of food because it's yeah. good, right. because it's good for you, and you'll and you'll, yeah. be, and you'll thank me for it later. Or, like, you're so beautiful, why can't you see how beautiful you are? As if that's the reason, you know? Right. that that's It's not about him looking... Because he's like, oh, are you trying to look good to leave me? And I think he's got this idea that it's about her trying to look a certain way, and it's not. It's about her feeling a certain way. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's a very much advanced thought process for him, I think. And really what we've seen between Danny and John Green is that these men who are not only out of touch with their own feelings, but don't have the capacity to empathize or understand particularly what their female partners are going through. They are so ill-equipped to handle any kind of conflict. Mm -hmm. It's almost baffling to see how unavailable these men are. Mm -hmm. I actually really like this scene because I found it so difficult to watch like i actually Mm -hmm. had to turn away from the screen when he tried to shove the cream puff into her mouth because i was so Mm -hmm. uncomfortable and Mm -hmm. i felt like that was the show really doing its job well Mm -hmm. because 
I am with you, Gina. I understand Danny. You can see the fear. You can see the frustration. It doesn't make it okay, but it did oh, no, feel really authentic not. to me. Yeah. Well, and her response, too, because it's not like she's already feeling uncomfortable before he even gets the cream puff in his hand. Mm-hmm. And, like, I noticed he, like, she kept, like, backing away from him yes. as he kept leaning forward and forward and forward. And she was like, don't do this. When he started to, like, go into the self-pity mode, she was like, no, no, this is a stressful time for you. Mm-hmm. And it's like you can see her trying to, like, manage this situation that I'm sure they've been in before. And just just kind of the dynamic of that relationship is he cannot handle his own emotions emotions and it's her job to do it and this is just a situation where it takes too much out of her like it's too triggering for her to manage his emotions in the way that he needs to but yeah you're right it's totally indicative of the time period that men just were not taught how to do this for themselves because there was always a woman around that was expected to do it whether it was their mom or their girlfriend or their wife Mm -hmm. right I did notice that this, I think, was the first time that Sheila doesn't reassure him that everything will be okay. Because he keeps uh-huh. saying, are you going to try to leave me? And mm-hmm. normally, every other time, she's been like, no, we're going to be fine. I will be here for you. We're going to get through this. And here she just says, it'll be okay. But she yeah. doesn't say, I'm not going to try to leave you. She doesn't say, we're going to stick together. Like for the first time it feels like she's unwilling to give him the complete answer he's looking for yeah mm-hmm. yeah and then she does leave him mm-hmm. now i don't like how negative and it felt very cruel like what she was saying in her head when she left him but if that's what it took to get her out the door for at least a little bit it's like okay okay so let's assume that this is not the end of physical <laughs> We leave on basically every kind of cliffhanger imaginable. We have no (laughs) sense of closure for any of these storylines. We don't even know if John Bream finished. (laughs) I mean, you're assuming that we care, but... uh... (laughs) That's true. I will say that is the most attractive I've found him in the entire season. I mean, I know that we thought it was weird, but I also found it hot. I know, me too. You know, it was. I'm not not gonna, you know, I'm not gonna lie. It was was kind of hot, but but it just was really... It was just so unexpected. It was a, it was an odd right. way, it was an odd way to end not just the episode but the whole season. Yeah, right. It's like it ended on a climax. And there we go. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Did it ever? Well, good night, everybody. Right. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> okay, but so for the final time this season, hopefully, because hopefully we'll have a season two if we come back. For another season of the show, what do you think is going to happen? Hmm. Well, we, we forgot to mention that John Breve's wife told him that she's pregnant. Yeah. Oh, yeah. That's mm-hmm. why he's at the mall spiraling. In, in the most offhanded way possible, which I know that she and Jen, you find her more of a sympathetic character. I don't care for the way she's written. She kind of comes off a little, yeah. too, a little too Stepford Wives-ish. Totally. Mm. This was the episode that pushed me over. That I was like, I didn't even know robots could have children. <laughs> yeah, she, she's just like, oh, I've been craving steak because, oh, by the way, I took a test and I'm pregnant. Anyway, what do you want for dinner? And it's just right. like, well, that's yes. not how you tell your spouse that you're pregnant. Oh, see, I took this as this is her being passive aggressive because 
she recognizes that she and John are now on two different kind of paths. Like mm-hmm. the minute that she walked away from him and just put on the exercise tape for herself instead of making breakfast, I was like, okay, we are headed for some rocky roads in this. And now all of a mm-hmm. sudden we're going to introduce another child into this. You know, there's that offhand comment that Sheila makes, like Mormons don't use contraceptives. Uh-huh. So this is how we have a new child on the way. But I don't get the impression that she cares or feels much affection for her husband anymore. I did feel like that last line was a little snarky. Like, make sure you don't wake me. Mm-hmm. But these are two people, like my ideal prediction, I think, would involve both of them realizing that neither of them are happy and that this really strict religion they are in that tells them that it's her job to hold the marriage together and the divorce, I'm sure, is not an option at all, Mm -hmm. that they can break out of that. Because I think what I would like and what I could actually see happening is we cut forward a couple of years and Sheila and John Bream are together, which I would actually kind of enjoy seeing what happens there. I imagine that would probably be toxic for its own reasons. Oh, sure. I can definitely imagine the two of them now engaging in an affair. Like, I feel Mm -hmm. like I thought it was going to happen a lot earlier, but now I think for sure if the show comes back, we're going to pick up and they're going to be having an affair. Yeah. Well, they've already taken that step. I don't think they're going to ever be like a real, you know, couple, but I can definitely see them, you know, sort of, sort of meeting in secret. Mm Mm-hmm. And he's going to nurture her moving towards that. Nope. Think about yourself. Do what you need to do to be successful. Cut Bunny out of the picture. Yes. I think that she will try to hang on to Bunny as long as she feasibly can. Yeah, out out, out of guilt more than anything else. Hmm. Yeah, I would like to think so. I also think that they've got to have some way of keeping Bunny around because they can't just drop her as a character, you know. So I imagine either kind of what you were saying, Joe, about her, like, I can't imagine her suing, but like trying to stay relevant or have some kind of revenge with Sheila or like some kind of rivalry. I don't know Mm -hmm. if I really want that. I I really just want them to all have fun and go to aerobics (laughs) together. (laughs) That's been my theme for the season. That changed your position. It just looks like, you know, Danny and Jerry fuck off to wherever, you know, commune or wherever they want to go. Oh, yeah. If we're going to drop characters, I got two on the list. <laughs> and it's yeah, Jerry, 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 and Jerry, absolutely. If Jerry is back next season, I'm just like, because mm, mm-hmm. Jerry has no reason to continue hanging around. Right. Well, except no, now we're taking the campaign national slash international. <laughs> His eyes when he said that cracked me up. Is he going to like run for president or something? My God in heaven. Right. He's going to run for space president. Oh, yeah, space God. president. <laughs> So I don't want to open up a whole bag of worms because we are trying to wrap up, but Mm. I absolutely thought that Jerry was going to make a pass at Danny. Ooh, okay, yes, there was a moment where he was staged, kind Uh of Danny was reclining, and it was right when they started reaching their hands in their pants in the mall, and I was like, oh, he's going to suck his dick. Yes! (laughs) Okay, I'm glad it's not just me, because of course, I I see gay everywhere, but I was like, there is a weird, like, are we going to get like a Coke fellatio thing here? Mm -hmm. There's a vibe there, I mean, there's definitely, you know, I, I think that... Danny loves Jerry probably a little more than he loves Sheila right now. Certainly right now. And whether that's a romantic love or or not, I I really can't say. But there's definitely that Mm -hmm. energy between them. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And they're both pretty free-minded, too. I could see them experimenting. Yeah. 
there's like a dumb frat boy we've been <laughs> friends forever kind of vibe between them and yeah you know you introduce then some pretty hard drugs into the mix and yeah yeah although cocaine is not always inducive too um, it's true yeah it's actually not good for <laughs> sexy stuff but... <laughs> right <laughs> i have no idea what they could possibly do with Danny in the second season. Like, I can imagine futures for nearly all of these characters. I can see Greta and Ernie backing Sheila's videotape empire, or maybe even Bunny doing some kind of retribution deal where she tries to compete with Sheila as she, as they both go kind of mainstream, national, mm-hmm. whatever. I just don't know what's left to do with danny unless we do like an ugly divorce kramer versus kramer kind of deal yeah well well, here's the here's the thing i i i don't think that that would work for danny because sheila's parents are so wealthy and and i i think Mm -hmm. that certainly back in 1980 regardless of that that is when kramer versus kramer came out the man was not going to get custody of a daughter of of a little particularly a little girl I mean, I more see that she is going to leave him. He is going to supposedly see the error of his ways, and I think uh, that he—I okay. think that he is going to go on a campaign, hopefully unsuccessfully, of trying to win, her, <laughs> trying to win her back. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I could see a little bit of Pam and Roy from the Office kind of dynamic. Right. And I, and I think yeah. that she may have a conflict of whether she wants to sort of stick with the devil she knows rather than seek out the devil she doesn't know. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Even if the devil is willing to masturbate publicly in a dark mall. Yeah. I mean, it's more exciting than Danny. <laughs> yeah, I mean... It's more, crea- it's more creative than let- let's have a three-way with my college student. Uh, <laughs> uh-huh. Oh my god, speaking uh. of... I- I like the actress who plays Simone, but I would also be happy to lose that character. Yeah, yeah, again, I mean, like Jerry, there's no reason to have her back next season. Her role in the plot is is done. Mm -hmm. Uh, Unless, you know, unless, you know, Sheila and Danny's marriage does continue limping along and he's still trying to have a thing going on with Simone. But but other than that, Mm -hmm. there's there's no reason to keep her around. And and really, the the show kind of did nothing with her as a character. She was right. just, she was sort of this like sort of you know sexy, almost hippie like you know younger woman who whose primary purpose is without even intentionally doing it is making Sheila feel more insecure about herself. Yeah. 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 I could see them keeping her around if they go for the divorce route and Danny says, Fine, I'm gonna hook up with a hotter, younger version as a fuck you to my mm. ex. Mm-hmm. I don't want yeah. it, but I that's could see too, them Yeah, that, it. that's that's too much of a you know. Here's an entire subplot about Danny getting over the divorce, and I don't want that. I know, right? If nothing else, I think what Physical needs to do is figure out what stories it most wants to tell, because this back half mm-hmm. has been a little bit messy. So I would yeah. love to see them maybe call this herd and say, whose story are we most interested in exploring? We kind of started by saying we're most interested in telling Sheila, Bunny, and Greta's story. And then it expanded to include people like John Bream and Tyler. And I think the show has been better for it in some ways, but it has also meant that we haven't told as well-rounded kind of fully fleshed out stories and Mm -hmm. i would love to find a balance between those two but maybe then also lose some of these secondary characters that just aren't pulling their weight 
Yeah. Yeah, and I feel like there are a lot of shows where I don't watch the first season because it's just kind of trying to get its legs underneath it. And I feel Mm -hmm. like we're just in an age of TV where you just don't have that luxury anymore. No, I don't have time for 10 episodes of a show figuring itself out. Like Exactly. I'm not unhappy that we watch this. I've gotten a lot of really great moments out of this. I've Mm -hmm. so enjoyed the conversations that I've had with the two of you over the Mm -hmm. last 10 weeks. Mm -hmm. But at the same time... I would love for us to be able to talk about the show's emotional arcs and like the things that are really working as opposed to saying like, well, what the fuck happened with Tyler's storyline? That didn't work. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Okay. Any final thoughts on physical season one? Please give us a season two physical. I'm just yelling at the physical gods of Apple TV. (laughs) The aerobics gods in the sky. Right, yeah, exactly. You, yeah, you set up, you set up so many pins. Just try to see if you can follow through on on, on all of them. We we still don't even know what the deal with Bunny and her family is. Yeah, right. mm-hmm. we got one scene, one episode, and then nothing. Yeah, yeah. I want to see Wendy Malick and Ray Wise again. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. More Tyler, you know? Mm-hmm. Oh my God, Jen. <laughs> yeah, maybe. I mean, yeah. I mean, Tyler is, you know, at least right now disabled. Yeah. yeah. You know, he almost died. Because mm. he got punched. <laughs> that line cracked me up. And, and I'm really terrified of the idea of, you know, having in, you know, in water trapped in your ears that can lead to a brain infection. Because that was something oh. I, I, I had that all the time when I was a kid. Because I was, because I, I swam a lot. And I'm like, that, damn, that could happen? <laughs> I know. Right. I had never heard of that before. Me either. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay, well. Before we announce where we're taking the show next, because yes, folks, this is not the end of the road. (gasps) If folks want to wax poetically about their experience watching season one of Physical, Jen, how would they get a hold of you? Well, you can talk to me about Physical and Tyler at Jim Ferratu (laughs) on all of the socials. Um, You can also find me co-hosting the Losers Club podcast, which is a Stephen King podcast and the Psychoanalysis podcast, which is about horror movies and mental health. Excellent. And Gina? You can reach out to me on Twitter under Porcelain72, and I am the co-host of the Kill by Kill podcast, uh, in which we talk about horror movies according to the characters. Uh, We also do a little side project called Dish by Dish, in which we revisit Hannibal episode by episode. We're about halfway through season two. Yes, I can't wait for you two to get to season three, because that show just gets that shit surreal so i can't wait to hear you unpack it yeah I'm so excited. It, it's wild <laughs> <laughs> and folks you can find me at beast on my remote and that's the letter b and you can listen to me every wednesday on horror queers and uh yeah so as we tease this is not the end of white ladies in crisis because there are too many white ladies having crises <laughs> to just yeah. close up shop so <laughs> we're gonna tackle two of them When we come back in a month's time, we are going to be talking about a wild things, ladies. (laughs) Yes. Oh my God. We've got (laughs) Kevin Bacon's dick. We've got (laughs) uh, cat fights in the pool. We've got a retcon that happens over the closing credits. I'm so (laughs) excited to revisit this movie. And those are the only things I remember about the movie, too. So I am very excited. Yeah, pretty much. I have not seen it in a minute, and that is pretty much mostly what I remember about it. 
Yeah. Uh, fantastic. Okay. <laughs> well, uh, hopefully you will come back and join us when we talk about wild things. In the interim, please make sure you're checking out the other shows on the Anatomy of a Screen Pod Squad Network. And until then, I guess make sure that the mall is empty before you sexually gratify yourself. <laughs> right. Yeah. Oh, always always, good, always good advice. <laughs> <laughs> yes. We're not saying don't do it. We're just saying just make sure the janitor's gone home. Yeah, be safe about it. Yeah, yes, exactly. (laughs) And goodbye. (laughs) The Anatomy of a Scream Pod Squad.